Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast, where we help supplement and functional food brands create better products. Today's host is Todd Runstead, Senior Editor. Hi, welcome to another edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast. This is Todd Runstead here. I am very pleased to uh, join with us today Brian Kennedy. He is the director of the Center for Healthy Longevity at the National University of Singapore and the lead author of a study just published September 1st, which uh, this gets pre-recorded, so that's today. So uh, a very good day for Brian Kennedy here, and it was published in Cell Metabolism, uh, a, a very uh, well-respected high-level uh, journal. We're going to get into this study um, at, because he is the director of the Center for Healthy Longevity. We're going to be talking longevity. There are some really interesting ingredients, really interesting science going on uh, in this area. Um, so, Brian, the study showed Life AKG, the, the branded name of this ingredient. It's an alpha ketoglutarate with a proprietary extended release delivery format. It extended lifespan and, quote, compressed morbidity which means less time spent being sick or diseased. And so is that what we may call health span? And so could you just start by, just tell us what's the difference between lifespan and health span, just as an intro to longevity studies science. Yeah, sure, sure, I'm happy to. Uh, well, you know lifespan, that's how long you live, but that's not what we think really matters. What we think is important is how long you're healthy, you're functional, you're disease-free, uh, we know aging is the biggest risk factor for almost every chronic disease you can think of, and it's also the biggest risk factor for mortality due to coronavirus and influenza and a lot of other infectious diseases. So the important thing for us is how long we, w whether we can slow the aging process and keep you healthy as long as possible. And that's why we're so excited about the sustained release AKG because it seems to keep the animals healthy for a very long time. Uh, and uh, even though it extends lifespan as well, the biggest effect is on health and function. Yes, so the, the study showed lifespan extension of middle-aged female mice, lifespan increased by 16.6%, survival by 19.7%, and health span extension of both female and the males, so the males get a little something, and, and life AKG, it showed a more dramatic effect on frailty than lifespan. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah, so uh, in a way, that's what you really want, right? What drives healthcare cost up is the uh, period when you're sick, the uh, period when you're disabled uh, late in life. Uh, in fact, up to half of your healthcare costs can be in the last six months of life. Um, and so if we can compress that time uh, we can dramatically reduce those healthcare costs. And for countries like Singapore, where there's, you know, 25% of the population over the age of 65, you know, looking at rising healthcare costs is a big concern for a government. And then at the same time, we can dramatically improve a person's quality of life. I mean, I, I think that lots of people say they don't want to live longer. And that's because they imagine living longer to mean they're going to be at home, unable to get out and do anything on oxygen, you know, taking all kinds of drugs, uh, in pain. But what we're trying to do is to extend that period when you're healthy so you can enjoy your time later in life. And I think that um, at least for these mice, that's what we were able to do. Yeah, you know, consumer studies, surveys amongst people, 
they say people, you know, when you ask them, hey, would you want to live to 100 or 125, you know, which seems to be the, the outer limit, uh, you know, and they say no, because they believe that they'll just be miserable, frail people, you know, expanded morbidity for longer. And so does this finding show life AKG could actually turn that thinking around? Yeah, I hope so. And there's a lot of data in the aging field to suggest that. So if you take a drug like rapamycin, uh, it extends both health span and lifespan. So you get a longer period of health, uh, an animal gets a longer period of health, but they still have that same period of decline. So it extends lifespan more, but there's still that period of morbidity at the end. Um, what's exciting about AKG is it shortens that period. So if we can get that information out and we can demonstrate it in human studies, then I think that people will realize that, wow, you know, I, I like a product like this because, um, you know, it really gives me the chance to enjoy my time later in life, uh, not just live longer. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it, when, when, when we talk about lifespan and health span, kind of sounds like we're really talking about the concept of biological age versus chronological age. You know, it's like you, you may be 80, but your, 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 your metabolic, physiology is kind of 60 and so you could just you can have more of that time before and then it sounds like before eventually you know all things must pass and um you know but instead of suffering for 10 the last 10 years of life or 15 years of life maybe it's only the last five like is that yeah. the promise well i mean that's the hope and uh you know i don't know what the outer range of lifespan extension is there are a lot of uh uh, crazy ideas out there, uh, some of which may be right, and uh, it may be possible to dramatically extend lifespan in the future. Uh, but for the present, you know, I think that if we can accomplish something like this with a safe product that that uh, people can take, then I think that's a big step forward. Yeah, and so I mean, what are we what are we talking about here specifically? Now, if this this is a study on mice, but if it pans out on humans. What might people who supplement with this life K AKG expect? I mean, better hair, less falls, lifespan extension by some eight to ten years? Do I have the math right on that? But only only for females? Well, lifespan was extended in males, too. It just uh, didn't quite reach statistical significance. So it was about half the effect of females. Um, and Man, uh, they already outlive us the, the indignity of it all <laughs> yeah i uh, i will start working specifically on males going forward how's that <laughs> <laughs> uh i think that uh you know our, i i think that for people to um get excited about something uh it, you know it's hard for them to take something only for the promise of the future and so one of the exciting things that we're hearing with the, the sustained release AKG or the life tabs is that uh, people feel better in the present and, you know, they're experiencing uh, better exercise endurance. And with that, you get more energy um, and reporting a variety of other effects as well. So um, if you can actually alter biologic aging, I expect you'll notice that in the present as well as in the future. Oh, now, all, really everything we've heard so far, of course, is by people, it's anecdotally from people taking the product. Uh, and we're really excited to see the controlled clinical studies that are ongoing and to really try to validate the effects. Right. Well, you know, and I've heard of alpha ketoglutarate, 
it was kind of like the, the the ingredient that they would you know that gym rats would use back in the 90s you know and so what, what what's the difference what, what do we have here is it is it strictly this extended release uh delivery mechanism or what well let me for, talk first about the akg component so a lot of what you buy on the market is akg plus amino acids arginine is a common one and it's not at all clear to me that taking amino acids like arginine is going to be beneficial for aging. Um, so that's one component. We, we haven't tested that at all in terms of health span or lifespan. Uh, secondarily, I think a lot of the AKG you take uh, gets destroyed in the stomach. And moreover, uh, I don't know if other people have experienced this, but before we had uh, the product available, I just took some of the old AKG. And if you take it on an empty stomach, at least I got a little bit of heartburn from it because it's a very acidic molecule. Um, it's not dangerous in that sense, but it just is uncomfortable. Um, so I, I think that the sustained release gets it to the gut, so more of it gets absorbed into the bloodstream. And then, of course, the rejuvenate product it combines it with vitamins as well, so uh, it's not it, it has additional components to AKG. Yeah, I have a, a bottle of the rejuvenate in front of me, and it looks like do I do I have the the one uh, for women? It's got the vitamin A, or no, that, that's the men with vitamin that's the A, men. right? Yeah. And then, and then a women's one's got extra vitamin D, I think. Is that right? Yeah, that's because we saw uh, additive effects on frailty when we combined those things. In the, and the effects in the animals were sex-specific. Sex um, and that's not uncommon. Almost every intervention that affects aging either affects females better or males better. And we don't entirely understand that yet, except to say that there seem to be key differences in how women and men age. That's really interesting. You know, and so we're we're talking about the, these ingredients and their supplement ingredients. And so, I mean, let me just ask you: Can can diet and exercise alone lead to improved health span and lifespan, or do we really need supplements to do the work? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. I suspect that if you had a healthy lifestyle and took supplements, you'd get the biggest effect. But it's, there's no doubt that diet and exercise can can benefit. Uh, the aging. I mean, there's especially exercise. There's quite a bit of data on that, but the challenge is getting people to exercise. You know, and <laughs> I, I've been I've been doing that a lot during the lockdown, and I, you know, and I feel like that I'm in uh, really good shape right now. But it's easy for me now here, stuck in Singapore. I'm not traveling all the time. I can control my my day a lot more. Uh, but it's hard for even me to do, and I like doing exercise. It's hard for me to do a lot of exercise when my, my normal life is happening. And so um, I encourage people to have a healthy diet and, and do some combination of resistance and endurance exercise. Um, but uh, I, I think that that's, you know, doing enough of it to have a big effect is on aging is probably not possible for most people. Um, and, uh, it, you know, we can talk a lot more about exercise and diet if you want. It's really about getting sustainable uh, strategies for people that they can keep doing. I can tell everybody to be vegan marathon runners, but they're not going to do that. So uh, the question is, what 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 can you put into your life that you can keep on a regular basis and enjoy? And that's hard for people. Yeah. And and so, hey, how about uh, how about two pills in the morning with or without food? That that sounds like sounds good to me. Uh, you know, so, uh, Brian, you're you're a you're a scientist, not necessarily a social scientist. But I'm just curious, can you 
quantify the societal benefits of this, you know, financial or otherwise, that expand extending health span could bring about. I think you had brought up the silver tsunami before. You know, there's there's you know the aging populations around the world and and uh, you know productivity and economic growth and societal impacts and you know you, you care to get a little big picture here and can you expand sure. on that? Well. It, the simple number is that there's 2 billion people over the age of 65 by 2050. And the, no species on Earth has ever had that demographics. Uh, typically, there's very small numbers of older animals in any species. And that's generally been the case uh, for humans throughout evolution. Um, what we've done over the last century is we've reduced age extrinsic causes of mortality. So in other words, Less people are dying from infectious diseases, less people are dying uh, from uh, bad sanitation, from childbirth mortality, from a lack of food security, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so now more people are getting old. And you couple that to the fact that uh, there's a lower birth rate in the population. Uh, then the, the demographics get skewed toward the older population. So what we've essentially done is solved one set of problems and created a new problem, the diseases of aging. And so now we have to deal with that. And so we did a, a work with some uh, economists here in Singapore, and we estimate that if we could extend health span by uh, five years, that's a $3 billion savings to Singapore. Uh, now, Singapore has an extremely efficient healthcare system. And so in, in, in effect, you're saving less money here because they don't spend as much money to get the, the healthcare that they need. If you look at those numbers in the U.S., it's in the you know trillions of dollars. It's it's a huge savings if we can extend health span. So the current medicine is around doing sick care, which is treating people after they get sick, uh, and we rarely bring them back to full health. I'm, I'm talking about diseases of aging. Uh, what we do is keep them alive longer and spend a lot of money. Now, of course, if I get sick, I want to get treated. I'm not against <laughs> treat, treating disease. Uh, but I think we need to couple that approach with a true healthcare approach, which is to figure out strategies to keep people healthy. They'll function better. They'll be able to work. They'll be able to contribute uh, to society, and they'll cost a lot less money. Yeah, I mean, is, is that the idea that you know, if, if say the average lifespan is 80, I think it's a little less than that. Let's just say 80, and you know, maybe. Your, those last 15 years when you're between 65 and 80 is when you kind of start going downhill. And, you know, maybe some of those, uh, you know, age-related cognitive decline or osteoarthritis, you know, all, all the things start to hit in like those last 15, 10, five years. If you can push the healthiness, so now it's like, okay, instead of starting to break down at 65, well, I'm not going to start breaking down until 70, 75, maybe, you know, and then it might all come crashing and burning down in the last five years. But better that than 10 or 15, right? I mean, is that what, what we're talking here when we're talking health span? Yeah, the best thing to do is get hit by a bus when you're jogging at 90, you know, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, even if we can extend health span and the period of decline is still the same, it's beneficial in the context of the current demographics where you have not enough people of working age in many, uh, many societies, especially in Asia. Um, and uh, very few ch uh, children and young people joining the workforce. So, you know, compressing morbidity is not essential to get benefits, but if you can do that, it's all the better. Yeah, that's fascinating. Let's turn back a little toward um, uh, 
I guess, anti-aging research. Now, other compounds have shown initial promise in this game, and I'm thinking originally there was David Sinclair out of Harvard, his work maybe 15 years ago with resveratrol. A lot of promise with that, and, you know, New York Times Magazine, all, all, all that stuff. Um, and then you hear about uh, uh, nicotinamide, you know, NAD+, those precursors. How does Life AKG compare to those ingredients? Do they work on similar pathways? Um, well, that's a really interesting question. I mean, first of all, I, I published the first paper on sirtuins and aging. So sirtuins are reported to be the target of both resveratrol and uh, NAD. Um, NAD is a cofactor for sirtuins. Uh, and uh, David and I were in the same lab a long time ago in Lenny Garenti's lab at MIT, so we know each other quite well. Um, so the the challenge really with all of these natural products is that they do lots of different things. Uh, so NAD is a central metabolite. It's used in hundreds of different reactions in the cell. And actually, so is AKG. Uh, and so uh, it may be that, you know, the, the simple way to describe this is these molecules are declining with age. And if you restore them, you get some benefits for that. Uh, and uh, the problem with NAD is you can't take NAD directly, it's not very stable through the gut, so you have to take precursors for NAD. Mm -hmm. And I think that the question is how much, how effective really are these precursors for NAD? We've tried uh, nicotinamide riboside and nicotinamide mononucleotide, two of the common ones in uh, animal studies, and, and we do see some occasional benefits, but not a huge effect. We see a bigger effect with the AKG. Uh, now, it may be that if we could find a way to, to provide the NAD directly um, that we might get a bigger effect and there may be synergies between them but at this point we're not able to see that. Um, in, in terms of what NAD is doing I think that it, it may be it's probably activating these sirtuins these enzymes that have been linked to aging uh, but again it's doing so many other things that it's hard to figure out what the what the specific roles it has that are relevant to aging and that's also somewhat true for AKG. We're trying to look through the different potential mechanisms by which it could affect aging and figure out which ones are the most relevant. Uh, one thing we think we've noticed is that it, it increases red blood cell function. Uh, and so uh, for AKG, red blood cells uh, have a, a strange way of making glutathione, which is an antioxidant because they don't have functional mitochondria. Uh, and so they um, use AKG as a rate-limiting reagent to make glutathione. So we think that we're, at least in the mice, we're improving glutathione levels by administering the, the, the AKG. Uh, and that may be, the sustained release AKG may do the same thing in humans, and that may be why they, people report better exercise endurance, because if your red blood cells are doing a better job of carrying oxygen to your muscle, your muscle can function longer. So that's one mechanism we're looking in. But both of these molecules have many different roles in the cell and to the extent that they work together is still not clear. Yeah, it's really interesting that, I mean, you have been at this clearly for many years now and and it really um, kind of excites me that that you were involved in some of that early sort of sirtuin science, if you will. And, uh, you know, how, how did that early work kind of uh, ignite your interest in this AKG? You know, is there anything that that you learned from from the resveratrols or even the NADs um, that 
that could help you design better clinical trials or look at, at ingredients in a different way? Well, I think that um, when we first started, we weren't even thinking about slowing human aging. We were just trying to understand the pathways that regulate the aging process. We were working in yeast cells at the time, and we identified this gene SIR2, and that led to that pathway regulating aging. And then when uh, I took a break to do some cancer research as a postdoc, but then as a professor, I started working on yeast aging again, and we were one of the people that identified the TOR pathway and rapamycin as regulating aging. Um, and we focused a lot on rapamycin. Now, the problem with it is that it's a, uh, a, a drug that has side effects, uh, and uh, so we've been trying to figure out ways to get around that. But in looking at you know, the difficulty of getting drugs approved, because aging is not considered a disease by the FDA, although they're starting to look at the idea, um, that means you can't get reimbursement for a drug or approval of the drug, uh, even if you make one that does slow aging. And so pharmaceutical companies don't want to put the hundreds of millions of dollars into drug development if they don't have a disease indication that's obvious that they can make money on. Mm. Uh, and so that, that led us to reconsider these natural products. Now, uh, resveratrol was selected and uh, the NAD precursors to an extent were selected because they control this sirtuin enzymes. What we did that was different is we went back and uh, with Gordon Lithgow at the Buck Institute, we screened um, many different natural products that are reported to affect aging and just found the ones that work the best. So instead of trying to pick a target and then find something that regulates the target, we just went through natural products and found one that had the biggest, the ones that had the biggest effect. Um, and then, you know, the safety profile of AKG is great. So that got me excited that we could do something relatively quickly as opposed to making new drugs that take another decade to get to market. What, what other research needs to happen? And, and I, I think about, about NAD Plus when it came out, there was, there was you know, a little bit of uh, excitement around it. And then uh, it, it became sort of... Um, suggested that cancer cells depend on NAD plus to sustain their rapid growth. So, you know, now all of a sudden there's, well, I don't know if that's it, but, but it, it's really unclear. Um, what, what, what are you, what, what are you looking at as far as what's next? I mean, this study was in mice and it's obviously difficult, you know, difficult, if not impossible to conduct long term studies in humans on the anti-aging front. Hey, let's do a 40 year clinical. You know, what, what more research needs to be done before you are satisfied that this preliminary mouse study can truly show results in humans that you can get behind? Well, I, the first thing with AKG that, that, you know, we think the sustained release AKG is, is going to be much better, but there's been a huge amount of clinical studies with AKG already, uh, and there's almost no toxicity reported anywhere. Uh, we can't find any evidence of any kind of toxicity, which is very encouraging because, you know, the first thing we want is if we're going to go into human studies is something that's safe right. because we're going to be giving it to people that are pretty healthy. Um, and so that that's a, a, a good first step. Uh, the challenge of how do you validate whether things work in humans or not is something the whole field is grappling with. And uh, one way you can do it is with this uh, TAME trial that is on, ongoing in the U.S. with metformin, this is, which is a drug that for diabetes. And there you're going to give it to 3,000 people for three years and see if you can 
prevent the onset of multiple different kinds of chronic diseases at the same time. So these people will be in their 60s when they start. Hmm. Um, there's no, that's kind of a health span trial. Uh, the problem with that is it's a you know tens of millions of dollars. It's done at 14 different sites around the U.S. And so while it's a great idea, it's extremely expensive. It's not practical for a, to test with a natural product, and uh, it's uh, also you know you just can't test multiple different things that way. So the other way to do it, and the thing I'm most excited about in the human clinical space is now we have these aging biomarkers that have been reported in the last five to ten years. You may have heard of the epigenetic clock. Uh, that's probably the one that has the most data. But there are five or six of these different uh, ways that we can take uh, cells from the blood or saliva and calculate a person's biologic age. Um, and so that's what we'll be using for these AKG trials. One is ongoing at Indiana University with the uh, Ponce de Leon uh, health product. And the other is... Uh, going to be just the uh, Life AKG uh, at NUS here where I'm working. And so we're going to be giving it for six to nine months uh, with uh, control population and see if we can move the needle on biologic aging. Uh, while we're doing that, we'll also be looking at some markers of disease like inflammatory factors, uh, some physiologic function parameters. Uh, but I think these biologic aging markers are going to be great endpoints for clinical studies. Yeah, I mean, that's really kind of the frontier in nutrition science research these days is looking at these uh, at the biomarkers uh, for wh whatever condition you have or in the case of aging, it would, it, not a condition, but um, it, w w which is, you know, broadly suggestive of, of outcomes. And so maybe then, you know, you can get away with, a, you know, a 90 day study or, or a nine month study or something like that versus, you know, 40 or 50 year, which is like, okay, that's not going to happen. You know, a simple way to think about it is that aging is a risk factor. We can argue whether it's a disease or not. There, there are people you can bring on their show that, the show that will argue all day about that. Uh, but it, what it clearly is is a risk factor for disease. And if you think about why we're so good at treating diabetes and cardiovascular disease, it's because we've identified the risk factors. Um, hyperglycemia, hypercholesterolemia, hypertriglyceridemia. And we treat those risk factors before people get overtly sick. Uh, and uh, aging is a much bigger risk factor than those things because it's the biggest risk factor for everything, practically. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the reason to try to treat it. If we can take away the contribution of aging to disease, then I think you'll see a huge impact on people's health. And um, so the bio, we have biomarkers for you know diabetes and cardiovascular disease, the ones I mentioned. But if we can get a measure of biologic aging, we have a biomarker that contributes to everything. Yeah, and you know when I when I think of aging and chronic degenerative diseases, the thing that springs to my mind is inflammation. So, are, is this being studied the Life AKG with inflammation? Is that one of the biomarkers that you're looking at? Yes, definitely. In, in the mouse studies, we saw a very big anti-inflammatory effect of AKG. It was one of the biggest uh, phenotypes the mice had that were taking AKG. And in very limited anecdotal studies, uh, looking at CRP, uh, we see a, a reduction in people that are taking the product, the rejuvenate. Um, and that'll be a major uh, thing we focus on in the clinical studies as well, to see whether we can... Um, 
validate that approach in a controlled study because we're very hopeful that if we see an anti-inflammatory effect, uh, that'll translate to benefits during aging. Yeah, so when, when I, I, I just like to geek out a little on some mechanisms of action just to kind of understand things a little better. And so I understand inflammation is one of those things. And so how are, what, what are other ways that, that you're looking at, at this, how this AKG works? I, I, I think it probably, doesn't it regulate cellular ATP, so the Krebs cycle energy production, mitochondria, is that part of it too? Yeah, you know, it has several functions. I already mentioned the oxygen carrying capacity of red blood cells, that's one. It definitely has an anti-inflammatory effect, although we're still, we don't really know the mechanism behind that yet. Um, we can, if you get it inside cells, it can drive uh, ATP production, so it can make uh, mitochondria uh, electron transport chain more active. Um, we, we see effects on epigenetic clock because AKG is a substrate for the enzyme that demethylates DNA, which is one of the factors that, uh, which is the methylation state of DNA is what, what composes the epigenetic clock. Uh, and we, and I think something that's very important is we see improved adult stem cell function in, in animals taking AKG. So that's a lot of different observations. And the challenge we have right now is to understand what are the proximal things that AKG is doing. In other words, what's it doing directly? And then what's the downstream effects of that? Uh, because, you know, there are a number of pathways that have been linked to aging. There's two reviews that have been written. One suggests seven pathways, one suggests nine. Um, but the important thing about them is how connected they are. It's like there's a network and those pathways we define are just kind of edges of the network. Uh, and really what's happening is as you get older, damage is happening to your body, but your body compensates for that damage. And so you stay healthy. I mean, if we really try to measure how fast you run the 100 meter dash, we can tell you're not as fast as you were when you're 20. But generally you're highly functional. You work all day, you're student, you have energy. You're not sick. Um, and so uh, the problem is that when enough damage happens, that network starts to break down. Uh, and when it breaks down, that's when you start getting diseases. Uh, and so the key thing for a lot of these aging interventions, I think, is that they preserve this network function. And given that everything's connected, if they touch on two or three of these pathways, maybe it improves everything. So if you look at all the pathways, you see benefits but that's not telling you what the immediate thing that, that AKG is doing. And so that's the, that's what we're trying to sort out now. Yeah, really fascinating. So uh, I'm here today, Brian Kennedy, uh, Director of Center for Healthy Longevity at National University of Singapore and author of the study published today in Cell Metabolism. The title of that is Alpha Ketoglutarate, an Endogenous Metabolite extends lifespan and compresses morbidity in aging mice. So uh, Brian is really um, at the at the leading edge frontier of this uh, anti-aging science, uh, particularly as it relates to natural products. And um, uh, he's uh, part of this company, uh, um, the, the Ponce de Lyon, and the supplement is called Rejuvent. And uh, I'm holding a box right now, so I guess that's available. Um, Brian, thank you again for joining us today. Really fascinating discussion on the frontiers of, uh, of aging science. Uh, my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you for listening to a Healthy Insider Podcast. We are continually looking to improve your podcast experience and want to hear from you, the industry listener. Please take a moment to take our quick survey and provide your feedback at naturalproductsinsider.com.
slash podcast survey.